Righto, welcome back to the Maximum Cricket Podcast. This is episode number 19. My name is Munter. I'm with Jacko and we are with Lugsy here also. There hasn't been a lot of cricket, to be honest with you, but we have ourselves a good pod. We have Nathan Smith from the Wellington Firebirds on today. We talk about what's in the water in Wellington as an incredible amount of black caps have surfaced there over the last few years. We're talking Finn Allen, Conway, Michael Bracel, just to name a few. And hopefully one day Nathan Smith himself. On Out or Not Out, we discuss probably the single most important thing a fielding side is going to worry about, as well as some other ball chat and just whatever sort of tickles our fancy, really. And remember, if you do enjoy this podcast, please do chuck us a like, a review, wherever you get your podcasts. But now, sit back, grab yourself a brew, a cold one even, but definitely grab your favourite snack, because it is time for Snack of the Week. Yes, Bank Maximum, the first of this contest. Oh, that is brilliant. It's a hero maximum. On the ground, on the ground, another hero maximum. Boys, it was our closest snack of the week on record last week. Unfortunately, I came in third, but it was a respectful third, I felt. <laughs> 29% my Belgian biscuits got, which... Uh, I'm not mad about, um, obviously, obviously you want to win, but um, these things sort of happen. The very controversial Luxy came in <laughs> uh, second place with a 33% share of the vote, and we'll, we'll talk about... Not 33. Not 33. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're probably. absolutely kidding. <laughs> the old free-free. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> Luxy might have stolen a bit of his thunder just from his controversy, but Jacko, with his first outright victory... Came out on top with a thirty-eight percent share of the vote. Um, this victory just felt like a win for the for the competition as a whole, um, as Jacko has really just embodied what this competition has been about. Mm. So, before we talk about Lugsy and just the new rules, Jacko, do you just want a, a wee moment to bask in the glory? Yeah, um, just a great win for the program, really, um, in terms of actually edible snacks. <laughs> Although I do have a wee confession, I haven't actually told you boys this, but I might, I might have won the battle. But I've lost the war with snacks last week. Um, obviously got the snack of the week win. Although, however, yesterday just tucking into a couple of uh, the tangy grape hard lolly. And uh, yeah, it's actually taking a chunk out of one of my teeth. So, um, yeah, yeah, good start. Good start to finish to the snacking week. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, down, I'm down a quarter of a molar if anyone was wondering what that win cost me. No one wins in the long run against snacks. Like nah, snacks will some, be undefeated. Win some, lose most. Fruit bursts have got a couple of my tooth over the past uh, year or two, so I feel your pain there. Oh, nothing worse than a hard fruit burst. There's, a, I reckon, there's yeah. like an op, there's an optimum sort of uh, hardness. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah like too too soft, no good either, as well. Nah. What I tend to do is because the lady at work always has them, so I tend to grab one or two and just leave them in the pocket for a half hour. Um, but it was yeah, it was earlier in the year this year. I I clearly was a bit hungry and couldn't resist, and I've I've gone straight into it and lost the uh, lost a bit of two. So I really do feel the pain on that one. Yeah, uh, so you know, I mean, I'll I'll take the wins where I can get them at the moment. For a guy like myself, who's you know done a lot for snacking over this year, really brought it to the attention of a lot of people, and and you know I thought I've snacked all year, and now I'm getting painted as such a villain. It's it's a lot to take. Well, I mean, you've done it to yourself, haven't you? That's oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look, twenty-four summers wasn't. It's not a great <laughs> snack of choice. But what I think did did sort of lose a bit of your appeal there was you've gone with you've added a summit into your into mm. your snack of the week as well. If you've gone like a cup of tea with yours, Marty, yeah. you might have you might have got that extra sort of ten percent. Because yeah. some people would yeah, consider, yeah. you know, a bar of chocolate a snack. And then yeah. some may consider sort of a block. Some may consider three blocks. So, you, you know, you've really snack shamed me a wee bit into how much I was having. Yeah, I guess to be fair, uh, I think that's a fair sort of comment. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have chucked the old summit in there. Not one of the notorious pairings in the snacking world either. The, <laughs> yeah. the Griffin's Biscuit with a, a, a diet summit, a diet space. You you're not going to go to smoke art work and see a summit and a couple of cookies, eh? No, you'll be out the door. <laughs> You can't often you can't often have a summit at work, that's for sure. What's a what's a poorer combo do you think? Like chip and dip and a cup of tea or the beer and a biscuit? <laughs> I mean that's up. I would say like uh like a hot like hot food and like and like a 
and a hot beverage. Yeah, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. You know, Poor. like, like so imagine having like like fish and chips and a coffee. <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Although, fries and a, flat a cup of tea, a cup of tea post a fish and chip with a with a wee bar of chocolate or something isn't bad. Because sometimes yeah. with all that fat of the fish and chips, you need yeah. sort of a something to just slice through it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely post. Eh? This is yeah, definitely you're not, like a, yeah. you're not peering it, are you? No, not peering it. Not no. washing it down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lugsy, you you don't have anything else to say about about your uh, second place or your? Oh, I've got a lot to say actually. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, no. The floor's yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't have a lot to say. I, I mean, there was a there seemed like a real, you know, there was a real sort of want from you to to see Jacko over the line this week, wasn't there? Uh yeah, probably. I probably did sort of abuse my power of uh, running running the, uh, the Instagram page I mean, a, a little yeah. bit. I probably, you know, at, at least I think I sort of um, told myself it was okay because I wasn't willing myself over the line. Yeah, I think that's probably a bit of a grey area. If I'm like just talking about myself, <laughs> like promoting uh, Belgian biscuits all week, sort of thing, <laughs> like that's that's a bit hey calm, but. Um, you know, I just I just felt like Jacko had really put in a bit of a stint, just sort of getting a few rogue snacks. Like he wasn't getting your yeah. run of the mill snacks. I felt like he deserved a a win. Mm. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Jacko's sort of been the test cricket, and and I've tried to come <laughs> in as the hundred or something there. And <laughs> yeah, that was like it was like Dean Alger versus Bearsball for a second yeah. there. <laughs> it was a win for the good guys, wasn't it? I can yeah. accept. That. Yeah, just chalk it up. Yeah, okay. So as we've sort of said um, in the past, or I, I said it on the story, as a, as a result, I think we've decided we need we need boundaries or well, categories we sort of placed on Snack of the Week due to last week. And it's been building for, an, for a while, hasn't it? There's been a few rogue selections from time to time that we sort of let slide. And we just thought, well, let's just go categories and then we'll go from there. So I chucked up a poll on the Instagram over the weekend. Um, just a quick shout out to the old followers that uh, went past uh, 1K, which is uh, a nice wee uh, moment yeah. for the uh, Huge moment. For, for the page. Um, so appreciate that, uh, listeners. Um, so the listeners had a choice between biscuits, chips, and chocolate. And I must say, this this could not have been closer. I, I mm. was actually I was actually quite excited just just sort of i just sort of check in from time to time and be like oh chocolate's gonna hit all biscuits sort of coming back with a coming back strong but it was um chips that took took the victory in the end or chris for our uk listeners i guess um and now since we had doritos the other week i think we all just decided to veto doritos as to be honest if someone goes sweet thai chili it's probably shut the gate let's be real (laughs) um and we can't have that again so if i move on to mine i think to be honest I'm not feeling overly confident as I'm not a massive chip connoisseur. I'm more of a lolly or slice kind of guy. I've actually got a cake here um, <laughs> as well, but I obviously won't enter that from the weekend. But I've got um, yeah, I've got copper kettles, copper kettles finals finest wood fired barbecue, which is just delightful. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I've got also a slice of um, mud cake. Uh, to wash the chips down from um, from my um, from my son's uh, first birthday party, which uh, mm. Simon Simon was in attendance, and uh, good snack. It was, a, it was a pretty yeah. good. It was a pretty good, good spread, if I, if I must yeah. say myself. Yeah, very good snack spread, actually. Yeah, lovely. Uh, the I reckon the kettle barbecue has a real like a sort of a cult following too. That's like a a niche, but cult following is that'll be a lot of people's favourite chip. I reckon. Um, to counter that, I've gone for um, Lee Hart's best work yeah. outside of New Zealand Radio, um, the Snacker Changi Salt and Vinegar, uh, just outstanding really. One of the great flavours on arguably one of the best chips. So, yeah, a lovely one-two yeah. punch. Yeah. That's quite I'd nice probably, actually. I'd say what's happened here is it's, this is giving me the real mood of like it's a Friday night and there's a bit of rain around because I'm yeah. sort of admitting to, <laughs> admitting defeat a bit here. I've gone I've gone for a also a kettle copper kettle um, a sweet chili jam with sour cream. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting, and it wasn't my choice. Um, basically, <laughs> we're obviously we're we're at the uh, the hush and Monday. Um, yep. I was in fact going to go Jacko's chip of choice because I think it's a it's probably. I'd say top sort of two or three best on mm. show at the moment. Yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, salt and vinegar chips in general, superb. The added value of getting vinegar and salt, just brilliant. 
But yeah, this this particular chip, it was a bit lacking on flavour. But, but how you going? No, look, as I said, it's it's yeah, it's Friday seven thirty. Someone suggested a beer, and there's a bit of rain around, and I'm probably you know I'm willing to not <laughs> not play this round. I do. I have to say, I have some um some Whitaker's block of Whitaker's peanut butter that I've had Jesus. had a fair few pieces to go with it, um, which have been superb. So I mean, I'm, well, we will stick to the rules. As you know by my recent, you know my recent few weeks, I'm a real stickler for the rules. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to just run us through, run us through your spread you've got from Hushy? Uh, it was quite the impressive. You actually sort of had all your bases covered. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't sort of some of our better work. We had a couple of guys out tonight, so didn't have everything. But obviously, yeah, went for the the satay meal, which I I do stick to. Then the um the sweet chili chips, the peanut butter. Choco, and then the hundred and thousands cookie, cookie time, uh, or Griffin, sorry, cookie biscuits, which actually got proven a real winner. But massive fan of them. Huge, yeah. Bit they're a bit yeah. smaller yeah. these days, but you do get you do get a fair few in the pack. So yeah, but you mm. still have the same amount if you have the whole pack. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it is it actually possible to start a pack of uh, of those biscuits without finishing it? No, they're, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, they're unbelievable. I'll so, let you know tonight because I'm there in the position of hosting Hashi and the leftover snacks are, are right in front of me. So last yeah. week it was it was a very poor display. I made about five past ten still filling, finishing off some chip and dip. Yeah. Um, feeling quite poor. So, yeah, we'll see how we go tonight. When we do biscuits for snack of the week, hundreds and thousands is probably, yeah, draft pick one, one, isn't it? Yeah. Round one, okay. pick one. Mm. That might have to be off the cards, sort of. Yeah, that, that could be just a blanket ban. <laughs> we could do drafts in the future. I think it could be on the cards at one at one stage. Okay, if you do, I'm right up for some drafts. If you do, yeah. if you if you are interested in, in into some food drafts or snack drafts, you know, hit us up, and uh, we'll get into it. Um, especially when you got a quiet week on the cricket circles. Yeah. So next up, we've got our. Um, We've got a Nathan Smith interview, which uh, was recorded earlier in the week. <clears throat> Smudge, as everyone calls him, from made his first class debut at seventeen while he was still at school, which is actually as wild as you like when you think about it. Um, he grew up in Omaru. He played for Otago right up to last season, where he transferred to Wellington to further his Black Cats push. It was a very enjoyable conversation from one of New Zealand's brightest young all-rounders. We talk about why Wellington has become such a breeding ground for, for the Black Caps over the last years. We we talk about guys like Finn Allen, Michael Bracewell, on top of Devin Conway and Tom Blundell. And to be honest, there's a few others there as well. We talk about Smudge's own ambitions as an all-rounder and what he potentially needs to do to break into the Caps' test side since Big Colin is being phased out. And then we, uh, we have him off a coach corner sort of thing where Nathan takes us into the mind of a professional cricketer and talks us through some of the mental side of the game and how it differs from us regular folk, I guess. It's a really fun, interesting, insightful chat, and I really hope you'll enjoy it. Got a, uh, we've got a bit of a guest on uh, today on the Maximum Cricket Podcast. Very fortunate indeed. Uh, this person has played over 100 games of domestic cricket in New Zealand for both Otago and now Wellington with a dash of New Zealand A in there also. He averages 27 with the bat and around 30 with the ball at the first-class level. So he's incredibly close to that genuine all-rounder tag statistically anyways. Today we are fortunate to have Nathan Smith join the podcast today. Smudger, how are you, mate? Very, very well, thank you. Great introduction, mate. Um, thank couple you. A couple of lean patches at the end of last season sort of cost me a few few on the batting front there, mate, but... Um, Pretty happy that bowling one's coming down the right way. So, yeah, yeah, you did all right. Did all right last year. I see. Um, and uh, what's been happening with you, mate? You just back from the UK? Yes, mate. Yeah, um, spent the last four months in the UK at a club called Radlett, which is North London. So, was there in 2019. So, good to be back amongst some familiar faces over in the UK this winter. Yeah, looks like you had a bit of good time. Are you are you injured at the moment? Are you all, all good? No, I've actually I have got I've got a stress fracture at the moment. I picked that up in the UK, unfortunately. So um, I've had a few scans, and I've got another one in two weeks' time. So and the one in two weeks' time will be will be um, eight weeks from when I got my first scan. So I think that will be the halfway halfway stage in the recovery. So um, looks like it'll be a few months off for me, and, and no bowling till sort of the start of November, unfortunately. But that is what it is. 
Uh, that's unfortunate, but hopefully we see you out there soon. I guess we'll start. We'll start with the the start of your the career, if you will, because you're well, you're 24 now, aren't you? 24 now, yeah. 24, but you've actually you've got a little bit of experience in a, in a way, I guess. You've got, like I said, 100 plus games. Domestic cricket isn't a joke, and I guess one of those reasons you got to debut at first class cricket. What was what was it? 18, 17, actually. Yeah, start of start of my year 13. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, not many people. I mean, I, I was doing not a hell of a lot when I was 17 or 18 and you're making a professional cricket debut. How, do you remember much of that game? Uh, I do, actually, yeah. It was um, it was interesting, the lead-up to it. I was at the uh, Under-19 World Cup and we were pretty much blown out. We were, I think we were playing off for 11th and 12th against South Africa and I got told I was going to rest that game. And I was wondering, like, why? What's, what's the point of me resting this game? It's the last game, like... Just let me play, and they were saying that um, Nathan King, the Otago coach, was keen to um, get me involved in the last few first class games of that summer. So that was pretty exciting. And then um, ran the drinks in Dunedin. Um, Blair Soper actually blew his hammy, I think, in, in the second over. So I fielded the whole whole game. But um, uh, and wow. then went to and then went to Whangarei and um and and got the nod, which was nice. Uh, took a couple of poles as well, which was good. Yeah, I've got. I've managed to extract the old uh, scorecard here. Do you do you remember your do you remember your figures or uh, your first wicket or anything like that? I, I remember it all, mate. Yeah, three for eighty. I think I bowled twenty-seven overs as well. So that's the most I've bowled by a long way at that age. So bang on! I was going to say that's a that's a bit before uh, load management, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, I think I <laughs> come from an under nineteen tournament where I could bowl max eight over spell. So yeah, it was a shock to the system for sure. Uh, very nice. And ironically, I see um, your new coach uh, BJ Watling. Gave you a bit of a tap that, that game. He did. I think he got about 170-odd, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, something like that. If we go back a, a, even further, so, I mean, as we all know, I'm pretty good friends with your older brother, Jeremy. Yeah. Friend of the show, of course. He's been on a couple of times. How, how much older is he again? Is it, is it three or four two, years? Yeah, two and a half, three years. Two and a half years. So, now the reason I bring it, bring him up, Smudger, is obviously, you know, Jeremy's not a bad cricketer in his own right. He's a veteran of Dunedin Cricket in the North Otago circles now. How much do you think like having a, an older brother, relatively sim- similar age, sort of help fast track your own abilities growing up? I know, oh, yeah, I know, Jeremy yeah. can get a little touch wound up from time to time. So I'm assuming there was uh, <laughs> a few hostile moments in the the backyard. Oh, for sure. I think like he was, he was a he's a massive reason. I think I'm I'm where I am today. You know, like he would bring all his mates around, and I'll be playing with them who are a fair bit older. So, you know, being around older players, I think forced me to, to go as hard as I can or else I just wouldn't be able to compete. So I think that sort of put me in pretty good stead from a young age. I think um, he would yeah, he would always clean me up in the backyard, but I think the most annoying thing was whenever he was done batting, he'd just whack it over the fence and go inside and make me go get it. So um, <laughs> That's the older brother Pets, eh? Yeah, oh, my God, mate, yeah. He, the older brother, he would have had a bit of the wood on you for a bit growing up, but I... I guess it's fair to say at some point the the tide shifted a little bit where uh, little brother Nathan sort of took over. This could be a bit of a motivation for for the for the Black Caps getting out of the the Australian cricket team shadows, uh, little brother, big brother. But do you do you remember do you remember a point in the backyard where that tide shifted? Uh, actually, I I can't remember a, a specific moment, but. I think, you know, I always sort of, I looked up to him for a long time, but when I, once I started playing for Otago, I think that was, that was when I started realizing actually uh, where I was, I suppose, and in terms of that, but I always looked up to him right the way through school and um, obviously playing club cricket in Omaru was always playing against him. So, um, yeah, I, I, not one specific moment, but I think it was probably when I started playing for Otago, I realized that I was sort of on the way up, if you get me. Yeah, okay, okay. Because it's interesting you say that. Because I actually asked Jeremy himself uh, before this convo uh, when he saw, when he thought uh, little brother Nathan's um, maybe maybe a touch touch better than me, and he uh, he mentioned he mentioned you were the only person to get a three hundred at the SCG or the Smith Cricket Ground. He called it. Oh um, yeah, I reckon what, he's selling me short there as well. I reckon I got four hundred, but you reckon Brian yeah, Lyle, reckon, was it? Yeah, I reckon I got four hundred. Yeah, we sort of had a we had a boundary straight, and I reckon I I reckon I hit near on a hundred boundaries down the ground. So, um, well, it's interesting to say that because he said he reckons it was quite controversial. He reckons you were uh, Stuart Broad reincarnated 
nicking off and wouldn't walking, um, oh, which right, is quite an right, accusation yeah. to throw around. That is a, a massive accusation to throw around, yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like it was only auto-wicketkeeper when I was batting, and when he was batting, he'd just do whatever he wanted. So, yeah, yeah Sounds about right. Not much has changed in the nets from what I've no. seen. Yeah. Let's maybe fast forward a few years, because I guess you, you had a few few years at uh, Otago, and you, you, you made the call to leave your home team at Targo and move to Wellington. And I guess before before we talk about like the why of the Wellington, you obviously grew up playing Targo rep stuff. And I, I mean, I wouldn't call it LeBron leaving the Cavs sort of thing because I don't remember <laughs> many I don't remember many fans burning Nathan Smith Volts jerseys on the street yeah. sort of thing. But to to leave it, to, the decision to leave Targo and move home that that can't have been an easy decision to make, surely. No, it definitely it definitely was a hard decision. Um... It took me a while to to sort of come to to grips with what I was going to do, and and I had to had to take the time and speak to some people pretty close to me. So, um, yeah, the family were very important in, in that move, and and obviously it's quite a big step considering I spent my whole life as a I still consider myself a, an Otago man. So, um, yeah, it's, it wasn't the easiest decision, but you know, looking back, I think it would be it is a good one for my career. So, at the end of the day, that was that was why I made the call, and and that's why I'm here now, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems to have worked out pretty well. And I guess one of the reasons I, I wanted to get you on Smudge in particular was to talk talk about Wellington cricket and and in particular what what it is about Wellington that seems to get out the best out of players. They seem to be producing a lot of black caps uh, of late. I think in the last two or three years I've got here, Blund, uh, Tom Blundell, Michael Bracewell, Rachin Ravindra, Demon Conway, Ben Sears, Finn Allen, I mean, you could sort of count Nisham and yeah, and um, he, he sort of yeah he got back in the side in Wellington, and um, I'm assuming you hope yourself at one at one day. So, and you can not not to mention they've won numerous titles. So, I've got to assume that's had something to do with why you wanted to go to Wellington. For sure, that that, that winning culture and, and being around sort of those more experienced international players was it was a huge huge draw point for me. So. Um, that was that was one of the reasons, and and again the facilities there. It's a very well resourced association as well. Um, they just try they try create a, an environment that's that puts the players first and, and gives them the best chance to succeed for international cricket. And and as you know, the basins are a hell of a venue, and there's a lot of international cricket there. So um, to to get to uh, train and play on those on those surfaces as close, which is probably as close to international cricket as we get, um, gives you the best chance. You talk about the sort of the, the culture they've they've got there. Is it what what is it they do down there that, that seems to get the best out of the players? What have you what have you noticed from your uh, from your time there? We just it's just a very very tight group. Um, everyone gets along really well. Um, the process is in place for, for for bringing guys through Wellington cricket. It's, it's very good. There's lots of talent um, talent academy programs. I think they're called. Um, and and you know and Glenn Glenn Pocknell and Bruce Edgar were um, instrumental in, in, in changing the culture. As it's probably pretty public, it wasn't a great culture maybe seven or so years ago. So um, they got rid of some people and got some new people in, and and you know and changed the values and the vision of the team. And 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 the group sort of reaped the rewards of that over the last few years with with the titles I've got. And you know it's still quite a the players that have come through there now are the, are the more experienced ones. So and now now you know leading the way for the for the younger guys to come through and and follow on their steps essentially so um yeah it's it's it's, it's a pretty good group to be a part of mate to be honest no it's exciting so i always look i always, I always quite enjoy the, the brand of cricket they seem to play particularly in the shorter form they've had totally. a lot of a lot of success at definitely in the super smash which is interesting because it's normally a bit of a lottery the the t20 to an extent but they seem to have sort of found a way where it looks it looks from the outside looking in that players feel like they can express themselves not without consequence but just with a lot of freedom. Exactly, yeah, and that's that sort of that was sort of instilled in, in the group from from Glenn and from Beast. Uh, sorry, Michael Bracewell last year, and yeah. and I'm sure that was the same from through when they they had the success. Like you know, you got guys at the peaks of their powers like Hamish Bennett. Michael Bracewell, Finn Allen, Devin Conway, you know, those four guys on their day are impossible to stop. And then the glue guys like Logan Van Beek and, and now we've got a great addition and, and Nick Kelly and, and also Adam Milne, if he's going to be around a fair bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's some serious power there and they're just the way the way our, our mantra for white ball cricket is to just 
play play fearless cricket and you know it sort of it sort of paid off in the last three or four years for them so um hopefully this year we can have a bit more success and and go a bit further and and, and, win, and win a title but it is it is exciting mate to be a part of yeah so and you sort of you touched on some of the players you play with and i think i i reckon a guy like finn allen is i mean he's a if, if he, the listeners will, will know we, we talk very highly of finn allen um the boys the boys mm. really want to succeed he, he he seems like he makes betting look incredibly easy like he, he obviously wasn't wellington born and bred but it seemed like the second he came down to wellington he has just taken a new level and he's gone and he's he plays the game with so such freedom i mean like you know, the other night when he's playing against Australia, against mm. Hazelwood and Stark, and I know it was only 30-odd, but it just looks so easy for the guy. Is, is, is he, he the kind of guy that just where you really don't come naturally for? He is a very, very gifted cricketer, yeah. But again, um, he's had his struggles, you know. His career was it probably started off a little bit slowly for his for his standards, and it wasn't until he got to Wellington and, and had mm. that confidence instilled in him from the coach and from the captain and the players around him that, you know, he can go play fearlessly and freely and, you saw a couple of years ago what happened in the Super Smash, and then, you know, from from there, look look where he's gone. He's gone all around the world to leagues, and and now he's playing. He's pretty much a he's pretty much in every white ball squad New Zealand has now. So, um, you know, it just goes just goes to show the the group that we have here, and and, and sort of the confidence that they put into their players. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent, and like he'll be a big part of the the caps. Definitely the white ball system going through. He's just got like the massive levers on the guy where he. Oh mate, yeah. Sometimes it looks like he's not even to the pitch of the ball, but he's just got massive levers where it makes it look so easy. And hand speed, yeah. It's, it's, hand it's, speed, yeah. yeah. Great to watch, yeah. Tough to bowl to uh, in the nets. Yeah, I'd bet. Another guy another guy who I imagine would be tough to bowl, bowl to is Devin Colmer. I don't know if he had much to do with him last year because now he's not a full-time domestic cricketer. And I'd say, I'd say he won't be playing a lot of domestic cr- cricket in the future, but you would have bowled to him a lot at a oh, tag on the yeah. shoe. And... Um, it's probably was it pretty clear early on that he he was just better than everyone else and he was going to be a play cat. Absolutely, it literally looks like he plays a different game to everyone else on the field. Like he's just on a different planet. Um, I reckon I played. I reckon I would have played him near on a dozen times, and I reckon he would have got a hundred in, in most of those innings. So um, it's nice to have him on our side <laughs> now. So <laughs> yeah, there'll be a few there'll be a few domestic bowlers pretty happy that he's um playing international cricket now 100% 100% another person that's had a big winter is Michael Bracewell or Beast as everyone everyone calls him and you can sort of see why once he hits the ball oh yeah yeah that's a hits a big ball he, he it's interesting he's quite obviously quite experienced at the domestic level but he's sort of come from out of the Black Caps contracted to pretty much being in every single squad and he hasn't sort of missed a beat did that? I guess that probably wouldn't have surprised you playing with a guy like that. Oh no, totally! Like watching him last year go about his work was incredible. Just the way you could sort of see it had changed from from years gone by, where he was just hitting the ball so cleanly, and you could tell he was so clear in what he wanted to do, and you know, and, and then that flowed through to his leadership with us as well. He was very calm, collected, um, knew what he wanted out of his team, and and you know, we all sort of bought into that, and it's obviously just great to see him doing what he's doing because you know for a while there I don't think he thought that, thought it was maybe realistic because he'd sort of had his ups and downs in his career and it's just nice to see him back at the peak of his powers and doing it on the international stage we had that game where he he got that uh New Zealand T20 record yes yeah at Pookie Park mate that was what was that like unbelievable I've never seen anything like it it was it's the most incredible innings I've ever seen um oh it was just amazing to be a part of Oh yeah, and and obviously you guys I think down and out, weren't you? We were essentially down and out, and then him and him and Logan Van Beek put on an unbelievable partnership. Logan's innings flies under the radar there, but he, you know, he kept hitting sort of regular boundaries to take a bit of pressure off Michael, and then, and then you know, I think we were eight, maybe eight down when we when we won it. But yeah, it was just amazing that he could he could finish that with balls to spare as well, which is just incredible. No, it was um, it was quite good, and some of that some of that sort of. Clean hitting is transferred to to the cats for sure. We've talked about everyone else in your team, Smudger. So I suppose we'll talk we'll talk about yourself a little bit if you if you don't mind. Last year you, you spoke uh, about the bowling went quite well. You took the most wickets in the Plunkett Shield. What what clicked for you last year? 
Um, it was sort of I sort of played a different role last year for, for Wellington. I was sort of more leading the leading the red ball attack, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, in, in the past in Otago, I'd sort of take the new ball and then sort of take a bit of a back seat and and sort of fill a role rather than look to be that leading wicket taker. So it was a real change in mindset for me, which I really enjoyed and, and thrived on. And um, you know, it just it sort of gave me that hunger to, to you know try try running a bit harder and, and be the guy for the team. So um, that was a real difference. And and again, like it was just the the coaching staff and the um and the captains that gave me that confidence and really backed me and, and, and you know wanted me to be that guy as well so that was probably just, probably just the difference really shift in mindset and you know a real a real backing from from those above so was it you're going out there you're, you're trying to take wickets instead of sort of holding was it was it that sort of shift in mindset yeah for sure and I mean for, for a target I was never I was never running in trying to hold I was always trying to take wickets but um yeah. It was just a, it was a little bit different sort of. I'd always be running into the wind or, or you know, sort of just holding a role for for the guy at the other end. So um, for yeah, but but for Wellington, you know, I'd get those downwind spells and and really could let rip, which was nice. And it was just nice to see a little bit of reward last year. To be fair, oh, it's it's an interesting um sort of point raised because Jimmy Anderson's been talking a bit about his role for for England, and he he, he reckons that he's been used as more of a, an attacking bowler. Um, this year than he has in the past and I think it sort of sounds like it's a little bit similar in a way because everyone when people talk about attacking mindsets they often talk about batting but I guess the bowling aspect of it goes under the radar a little bit for sure yeah definitely I think um you know it's just about I think that sort of suits me a little bit as well like being a being a bit more aggressive and, and getting in the fight and you know and I think that's I sort of really thrive in those sort of roles so there's yeah that change in mindset is everything I think in terms of when you're running in because it is a it is a pretty thankless, tiring job running in and bowling. So you need to um you need to be either a little bit cooked in the head or, or just really thrive off those um <laughs> those hard moments. So. Yeah. You've played a few games at the New Zealand A level. What's what's that jump from domestic cricket like? What would you say is the biggest sort of difference? Um, I think, you know, every, everyone just does things for longer. Um, the wickets are typically a bit flatter as well. Um, but it is, it is just good, such a good bridging gap to, um, to international cricket because you do get the odd, the odd international scattered through those lineups. Uh, I think I played in DRA and they might've had five or six test players in there before we, um, before they played a test series. So, um, you know, it is a really good bridging gap and it's good just to stack up to see where you're at. Especially on 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 pretty pretty flat tire uh, tiresome wickets. So um, if you can run in and, and, and hold a guy down and, and take a wicket every now and then, you know, I think you're doing a pretty good job. And it is just just good to see where you're at and where you stack up against those international guys. Hundred percent. But having said that, and I know you don't want to be, no one wants to be injured or have a stress fracture, but probably not a bad a bad tour to miss in India, chasing <laughs> yeah. the leather and, and and forty degree heat. So. <laughs> it does look flat. You obviously, obviously, gutting to to miss that tour, but you know, I suppose I'd rather the, the timing of it be now and and only miss maybe three or four games at the start of the summer rather than picking one up, say, over there and missing a majority of the summer. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It comes with the territory of fast bowling, but yeah, onwards and upwards. That's right. That's right. And um, so you sort of you've sort of touched on the the desire, I guess, to play for the Caps and um. If if you were to crack that team, what role do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be as an all rounder or a or a bowler only? With a obviously you're a bit you can bat as well, but where do you see yourself in the future? I guess. Yeah, I suppose for the last few years for me is as has, has been a I've put a lot of emphasis on on trying to get my batting up to speed because I think you know as you've seen with with the Grondheim out there and and, mm. and who knows what's going to happen with Nisham now. So I suppose those are the spots that are sort of opening up and my bowling's always going to be what it is. You know, I feel like I can do a decent role, but I've been, I've been spending the last few years trying to, trying to get my batting up to, up to a, a place where I think it's, you know, can really dominate at domestic level and then hopefully, you know, transfer into the international stage. But ideally the, that all rounder spot is, is what I'm aiming for. But, um, you know, it's just sort of taking it day by day and, you know, firstly getting back on the park and, and doing all that, I'm not even allowed to hit balls at the moment. So um, it's it's really just stripping back and resetting and, and, and figuring out where I want to go and, and what needs work. Is that tough mentally? Like I didn't realize that you couldn't bat as well. Is that tough sort of mentally? Just like you, know, I mean, you're a you're a cricketer boy. That's your job, and just been not being able to and your your love as well, I assume, and like just not being able to 
even hit balls or do anything for an extended totally. period of time. Yeah, totally, mate. I think I've got another. It's been it's been sort of two months of, of this, and it's, it's hopefully it's only two more weeks. But um, it has been it has been pretty tough, and you know I've sort of all I've been able to do is get in the gym and, and do all my sort of rehab that way. So um, it is pretty grueling. But again, like I said, it sort of comes with the territory. So you sort of that's what you sign up for when you when you run in a bowl bowl pace. So um. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully in a few weeks I can at least hit some hit some balls and and start getting some throwdowns and and yeah, setting some goals for my batting and, and trying to push that forward. Nice, and I guess so with your with your batting because I mean, it look like I mean you've got you've got one first class hundred and you've got a few, you've got a few runs behind you. Where do you see the improvement that that you potentially might need to make to make that next step? Uh, I think it just sort of comes back to consistency, you know. Like at the base, it is it is really hard to to get in um so hopefully you know can can get a few more hundreds under the belt and um it is a great place to bat when when you do get in so um if you can score runs there as well i think that'll transfer nicely to the next level so it's just about sort of being a little bit more consistent with with my starting and my innings and um i think last year i got maybe three or four fifties but i don't think i got over over 10 every other innings i batted in so it was just a case of making sure i get in and um you know, really cashing in once you do get in because, like I said, it is it is a hard place to start, but once you get in, it's a, it, it is a great place to bat. So, um, yeah, I'd say that would be the, the, the biggest thing for me, mate. Starting today, you will play like winners, act like winners, and most importantly, you will be winners. If you listen and learn, you will win basketball games. And gentlemen, winning in here is the key to winning out there. Sweet. So I've got I've only got a couple more uh, questions, and then I'll sort of I'll let, I'll let you go. And these um these couple are from are from one of our co-hosts Lugsy, who um he couldn't make the call, but I guess he's looking for a bit of a comparison between the pro level and I guess like you know the club level for us regular folk down here. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that a club cricketer or fan in general? might not notice about the world of a domestic cricket in New Zealand? Like, is there a part of the game or lifestyle that's maybe a lot more stressful than we might think? I think you just, I think you touched on it a little bit. Um, you touched on it a little bit before about it, it being your job and your passion. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is sort of, it is your job and it is it, it does bring in your money. So there is that, that expectation and that pressure mm. to perform. Um, and that sort of weighs on guys differently, you know, guys that are sort of on the fringe, um, trying extra hard or, or, or doing those things that, you know, bending over backwards and really pushing themselves to, to try just make the team. And that sort of, that stacks up and, and then they end up putting a lot more pressure on themselves than, than they need to. So it's probably more just that, that mental side of it, you know, whereas in club cricket, you go out, you're probably playing to, to have fun with your mates and mm. you play for the right reasons, just like you were, as a young kid in the backyard. So as a pro, you sort of sometimes, you, you sometimes lose sight of that, I think. And you, and you put a little bit too much pressure on yourself to perform when, you know, you got to where you are because of, of having fun with your mates and, and putting in those performances at the, at the grassroots level. So I think um, though that's probably the one thing you see, you see quite often guys putting far too much pressure on themselves and then, you know, sort of just combusting. So it's, uh, you can kind of see it from afar and it is sad to see, but, you know, we, we have ways of coping with that with, with mental skills coaches and, and, and experience as well also probably plays a part in that. But I'd say losing sight of the, the, the reasons you play or the reasons you started was, you know, that would probably be one of them. Yeah, it's um, it's quite an interesting insight. Like, it's easy to remember, but it's like easy to forget as well. Why you sort of totally. start playing? Totally. And I guess yeah. it's it's fun. It's funny because it's like cricket. You're not. They sort of teach you to not worry about outcomes and, and always think about the processes in place. But at the end of the day, it's it's for you, for for you guys anyway. It's it's your outcomes that I guess dictate your contracts and your selection exactly. and that sort of exactly, stuff. So it's yeah. hard to those lines could get blurred quite easily. I'd imagine. Oh, they definitely do, mate. Yeah, definitely. Pretty good. Okay, so let's um let's end on a, on a lighter note. Um, if you can bring us into the locker room a bit here, um, just a generic locker room, can you get can you still get stuck into guys like at club level? Like you know, let's let's say I don't know, like a I don't know who, who's one of your good mates in the team, like a, maybe like a Rutch and Ravindra. Maybe yeah. he's nicked off for the twelfth time in a row, like he's 
maybe Aaron Finch and and you and can you can you give can you get him to can you get him to uh, can you give him a bit of a ribbing like we would at the club level? Like I mean, I mean I mean there's times where at a club level like a guy's if a guy's had too many ducks, like guys are snickering as he's walking off, and then you got to shout people and things like that. Like, yeah. do you, have you got to be a bit more careful at the at the pro level, or is it or can, is there is there time for that? No, there is definitely time for that. Yeah, Rutchen's <laughs> a great the Rutchen's a great example. Not only for the nicking off, but also he takes he doesn't really take his dismissals too seriously. He's pretty um pretty pretty down to earth and, and understands that you know you're going to fail a few more times than not. So. Um, obviously, you give him you give him his five minutes, but once once you see him again, I think it's but it could be pretty funny to to definitely rip into him, which we have in the past and we will continue to do. So there's definitely a lot of that that happens. Um, yeah, no, it is it is funny, but you do have to be careful, you know, like on the on the person, I suppose. But Rutchen is a great example. You can't get stuck into him. Yeah, everyone. I, I would imagine it's probably like everything where everyone has different levels, and if you're closer with a guy, you might sort of get stuck in a bit more. Uh, totally. Yeah, a, a guy like a guy like Hamish Bennett, I think you probably, if you do say something like that, you're probably expecting a right hook in return. But um, you do have to be careful <laughs> around some people. So. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny you mentioned that. That's probably similar to uh, to your brother. Actually, he would um, yeah. probably need to go uh, a lot longer than five. Actually. Yeah, yeah, probably break his bat on the way off as well, or kick it or something like that. <laughs> carry on like that that sounds about right sounds about right okay well i'll I'll leave you there uh today smudge that sort of wraps it up so again thanks thanks so much for joining us and you know i look forward to following your career even if it's in wellington and um you know seeing you on the park soon cheers mate thank you yeah so a bit of an extended out or not out this week due to the lack of cricket although Jackie, you were saying that the only bit of cricket was an announcement of an announcement. Yeah, definitely. Just probably one one for the one for the gram was really an out or not out. New Zealand cricket making an announcement about an announcement. Um, I'm out on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty out of it. Pretty, <laughs> seems pretty unnecessary. Eh? Yeah, I've missed it. So have they made a post, or they they haven't yeah. surely gone like a full a full presser on that. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's. I'm pretty sure it was just like a press release, you know, on the Black Caps media, like. Yeah. The Capitals announcement, sort of similar to when Trent had given up his contract. Yeah. Um, very similar setup on the on the Sosh Med, and it was just uh, we will be making an announcement of the T Twenty World Cup squad on the twentieth September. Which I feel like on the twentieth you probably could have just announced that, and it would get the same um, reaction. Is that tomorrow? Is it? Yes, yeah, tomorrow. Eh? Oh, yeah, tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Like squads don't really tickle my fancy too much nah. i just feel like there's <laughs> you don't want us to see him one or <laughs> it's only it's only really like like give me the 11 give me the 11. yeah give me the give me the best 11 um, yeah, a bold you... strategy to take 11 though wouldn't it <laughs> very bold it'd be arrogant and it'd be actually see the time that i quite like yeah you know what name your best 11 and then yeah. a week later name the traveling reserves couldn't, couldn't be uh less necessary even yeah I'd like if you've only got like 11 guys you got faith in though and then really try and sort of like do it as a bold move, try and force a few other teams into it. Like yeah. we're only taking our best 11. So if you've got the guts, you do it too. Hmm. <laughs> How niggly's 12th man? Like when you, you, you like narrowly, you narrowly miss out on being in the playing 11. Yeah. But you've got to do all the dirty work. Like you're running drinks out. You're like, you're doing all the hard work. So like not only do you miss out on playing, You've literally like looking after everyone else that's playing instead of you. Worst gig in sports. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I tell you for free, it's worst gig in sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't really argue with a man with that sort of experience if he's. But I guess the real positive guy said as a chat, you know, like maybe I'll get out there, get a run out, take a catch or something. Fielding sucks though. Yeah, if you exactly. naturally, I just thought all I'm going to do here is drop catch. Yeah, hundred percent leads me into yeah. one of the. Uh, yeah, it sort of a probably leads into our into our ball chat and our delivery of the ball and our treatment of the ball in the field. Um, but my my first ever time on the field as a twelfthy, uh, sort of an intermid wicket. One of the boys had ducked off for uh, use the gentleman's room. We we ball was trickled to me. No run even called for. But I've sort of picked it up. Probably given I'm talking max a seventy percent throw to the keeper, just to make sure I'm hitting gloves. Yeah, I've hit him. I've hit him in between the gloves, head high, beautiful throw. Uh, and covers just said, "You gonna take your handbag off for the next throw, mate?" <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. 
Was this your oh. first? Was this your first twelve man? Yeah, first twelve man gig. Come on, give I was God, shitting bro. myself. All I wanted to do was get <laughs> yeah. that ball into the keeper's hands. That could have taken a week to get there, and I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. That is one of the biggest alpha rings I've ever heard, actually yeah. off the bat. Really tough. Twelfth, you get the shit jobs in the morning too. You've normally got to throw the grippers. Yeah, mm. that's nervy. That's nervy. In that itself. is a high pressure roll, eh? And I'm poor at it. I'd be, I'd be bottom five yeah. percent of throwers at that because normally the head coach is sitting there too, and he's the one hitting them. So you're like, "Fuck, I can't hit the coach. I've got to make these good. <laughs> if I make these bad, the cordon's not going to be ready." Ah, oh, it's a, it's a blender, mate. Twelfth man, it, worst gig in sports. It's one out. of those. Just on, just yeah, yeah just just get just get rid of them. Just get rid of them entirely. <laughs> just just on throwing like throwing like slip catches. It's a it's a thankless job. Like because yeah. if you do it well, it's just expected. But yeah. if you do it poorly, geez, you can't. They get they come down on you quickly. Oh, yeah. it, honestly, it seems a wee bit like throwing the ball back to the the um the bowler in the nets. Like yeah. It's harder than you realise, but I bet you the harder. gun cricketers all nail it. Don't think about it. All I picture, because a lot of the a lot of the guys do it only in their batting gloves. Obviously, you're not going to have a helmet on. But no. I just think of scorning someone every yeah. time I'm throwing. Hundred um, percent. So and yeah, I mean, if you're wondering, I threw those on day one and not on day two, three, or four. Yes. <laughs> It's not bad. That is—that's almost the key, though. Like, be yeah, be so bad at it they don't even look at yeah, look admit at, to yeah. the bowlers, that sort of thing. Are yeah. you thinking? Are you thinking like I need to be good at this, like because it's going to affect my if I get picked or not? Like, is 100%. that going, like it's crazy? 100%. It should have no no relevance. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> as a touch. It's the same as a touch game in the morning. If I dot down for three tries and a couple of assists, maybe I'll play my first game. <laughs> yeah, because your confidence at that point's high. You're confident. You're playing well. Give me three for any good touch performance over a five to really cement things. I'm just yeah. imagining like a like a leadership group sort of meeting, and we're like, "Tell you what, Jackson's sort of ripping those throws in this morning. Uh, yeah. you know, giving slip catches. I think he's I think he's ready. I think he's ready to open. Yeah. The well, it's, I really- it's positive energy, isn't it? It's- yeah, but this other guy took six for last week. Yeah, Jacko's throws were good though. He was no good at touch as well. That's the thing. Yeah, six, yeah. six for doesn't mean anything. Hey, eh? drop. Nah. He dropped. He had about three knock ons. <laughs> Drop, drop the high ball to get things started. Just a tough day. Just pull for the morale. Pull for yep. the morale. Should we actually sort of move on to our out or not out question, which I guess yep. is sort of morale based and it's, it is all linked, I guess, um, in a way. And um, Jackie, you, you, you gave it to us and I, I said it earlier that this is, you know, this is built up as the single most important thing a fielding side will worry about. Um, that might be a stretch and it might have been a bit, a bit of a clickbait for, to, for you to get this far, but um, – <laughs> Jacko, do you want to do you want to sort of tell us your your, your question because you you gave it to us earlier in the week? Yeah, so I mean, just trying to think of the out or not out sort of question on this, but I guess it's it's going to be more of a discussion, and then we'll figure something out for the socials, I'm sure. But yeah, my my out or not out is what side of the ball was it okay to shine? So oh, sorry, actually, the best way to do it is out or not out, shining the numbers first. I'm going to start with saying I'm out on shining the numbers first. Basically, preface this, got a ball back midweek from someone that had been using it and numbers shined. Numbers side, immaculate, perfectly shined. The bird, roughneck, so I've got only one option. And I don't know what, but it just doesn't it just doesn't sit right. You've got to shine the bird, the bird first. And I'll even go say, if he gets a blemish in the bird, you've got to try shine that out before you go to the numbers. <laughs> don't know why... Doesn't feel like the numbers swing. I don't know what it is. Feels like the bird will hoop numbers straight on. It's it's an interesting sort of topic, and I think I actually think you've got to have a lot of like bowlers, especially on your side, Jacko. To be mm. fair, because I've heard this. There'll be a lot, lot of big support from the bowlers and a lot of confusion from the batters. Yeah, I must say I've all, I've always been a touch confused on on that dynamic. Because in my because yeah. I've, I've always thought like if you. If you ch- already choose what side to shine, and then you get a big mark in in your bird, in, then you're screwed. Yeah, naturally, yeah. you're absolutely screwed. I agree, so I agree, I'll, I'll, I agree with you 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, that's not my point though. <laughs> Look, I've I've seen the logic. I've I've read the paper, and I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just that's the thing. I've never really had a, a strong way. Like, if the bowler wants to shine a ball certain side, I'm not going to tell him no. Yeah. Um, but I guess from a batter's side of thing or a fielder. I mean, I just, I just would never shine a ball that's new. 
I would just mm. wait till it's a little bit blemished and then I'll be shining the shit out the other side. Yeah. But I'm, I'm hitting at the angle of logic, which is just not what we're after today. Oh, that's never what we're after. As, as, I, as I told you, boys, a bit of, bit of opening bowling experience in my younger years um, and still very much sort of more always fancied myself a bowler who just didn't get a chance. But, yeah, to Jacko's point, and, and it's been this way since we were young, since, as I told you, using the old red king. Mm. You've got to sign that side. Um, 100%. And the, what's, what's good about it is it is something that the all bowlers do agree on. Yeah. So there's, mm. there's I mean, there's got to be something to it. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it is, but I don't know what it. You get the ball back, and someone started showing the numbers, and you're like, oh, "Fuck, this ball's cooked." <laughs> to um, <laughs> to Monty's point, though, could be yeah. Could we, yeah. Could we just get a change? I've actually shined the wrong side for me. Anything, <laughs> anything actually wrong with it? Not really. Just on uh, on balls around around the world. So obviously, we're, we're talking about a, a cookie in in New Zealand. Uh, Jacko, you would have bought, obviously bowled with a nut in the UK. Are they? Did they have birds on one side, or how'd you go there? Well, they didn't have, didn't have a bird. They've got the numbers Duke on logo. both sides. Yeah, refused to bowl. We're using a Duke, were you? Yeah, they had the Duke, the logo. Um, normally, one side traditionally will have weight, specs, information, and one side will promote the brand. Um, so this, yeah, I mean, this could just be a real deep fake from Kookaburra, sort of ingraining this in everyone's everyone's minds to you know. Bird, bird, bird. It's always got to be the cookie. Yeah. But yeah. Mm, now if, it, if, it, if it is, that's a hell of a job by their marketing team. And if not, yeah, free advertising forever. So well done. It's always, I don't know, it's just something about shining the numbers side. You just, you just, it doesn't sit right. You just, you don't feel good about it. Okay. To Munter's um, point, though, at what point, like, at what point, you know, someone's hit you over the club rooms, a big, you know, chunk out of the balls came out. At what point do you have to make that call? You're yeah. not happy about it, but yeah, we're going to have it, to make a change. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's got to be like a, like a chunk, as you say, a chunk, a big scar, like it's been banged into the rough and mm. and taken a big bit next to the seam away. And then you're sort of like, oh, begrudgingly, the call goes out, right? We've changed the numbers, boys, and it's, you know, the bowler's head. The bowler's heads go down and you might as well just give them 400 for two. It's yeah. worse. It's worse than like the captain losing the toss on, on a road and going, "Yeah, ah, oh, we're bowling." Yeah, yeah. Worse than a worse than a catch going down, I reckon. <laughs> um, Jacko, just on just on shining the ball, I've got a couple of couple of questions for you. As it's been a couple of years since I've been in the game, I guess since I played pre-COVID. What what's the deal with shining the ball now? Because you're not allowed to live anymore, eh? Nah, so you can't use saliva, so you can That's use... Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, you can use sweat. That is crazy. Sure, yeah, surely they're going back to back to saliva. Who polices that? I mean, that, surely. Honestly? I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I'd, I'd assume guys are still using saliva. Yeah. Like I mean, club cricket, who's yeah. policing that? Yeah. Guys are on $50 a day. Like, we're not, we're not... We had a guy on our team, and I'm not even kidding you, look the umpire dead set in the eyes, lick his fingers, and put it on the ball. Is that in, just in solely to... To see what would happen, or just forgot, just honestly, yeah, oh, forgot. I just forgot. Now, the umpire's like, "Did I just see that right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm really sorry. I won't do that again." He's like, "Yeah, please don't, or we'll have to change the ball, sort of thing." So, so this okay. was just a solely um, like a COVID rule. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So they brought it in for COVID. Oh. So, um, I guess it's one. I guess it's one of those things that it's like it was actually a touch gross. Yeah, like, it is. When you think about it, when yeah. You, when, when, yeah. You, when you deep dive it, like it actually was a bit gross. Um, but it's like everyone does it, so it's fine. And then <laughs> COVID's like all good rules. Yeah. <laughs> like all good things, you probably shouldn't be doing, but everyone's doing. So yeah, um, it's it's just sweat now. So I suppose your quicks after and over, and normally got enough juices going. But yeah, it really does sort of. I guess that that ball shining, you do have to take a little bit more 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 thought into it. Um, obviously, if if you do get a big chunk out of the bird early in the game, obviously you just go up to the the uh, the umpire and just start, you know, using the using the mouth and the saliva, yeah, and yeah. hopefully they'll replace the nut. Yeah, yeah, so that's a really easy think. solution. That's a good question, eh? Yeah, easy out. Like what about what about all these um like over in England when they're always trying to get the ball changed and they're yeah. trying to put it through the hoops? Why don't they just lick it? Yeah, see, I don't yeah. like it. Just it get might rid actually of it. not. It might actually not be a change. I think the umpire has to sanitize it. 
Nah, Ooh, I think they've got to have like a tough. like a hand sanitizer in there, which like could do anything to a cricket ball. We don't know. And my, my second bit of follow up there was um, if potentially there's a space for a guy, sort of maybe an overweight character in the team, just to do sprints right up till pre-game, just so he's got a huge sweat going, just solely with the purpose of shining the nut early in the game, just while yeah. the books get warmed up. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, but also you've you've got two, you probably arguably your two best seamers doing that as well in terms of getting themselves mm. ready to bowl, and then bowling so they're staying sort of hot and and will be getting some of that sweat. So yeah, just sort of looking for a space to how I can yeah. return to top grade cricket. Really, <laughs> who, who who does shine the ball nowadays? Have you got a like? Do you have a special shiner now, or is it strictly do the fast bowlers just do it themselves? There will be someone normally in the cordon that's trying to get some moisture on the ball. Um, the like sweetest no, bastard. No, yeah, normally it's normally it's a hot day, so like your hairline where your cap is, there's normally yeah. a, enough there. Like you don't actually need a lot. Um, but yeah, it's sort of get it back to the bowler quickly because they'll be able to. Anything else you boys want to touch on this uh, this subject? Or uh, oh, yeah, I've got a bit more. Yeah, we could be. You know, sometimes there's there's the call, especially like early, as like. It's one of those sacred things, like someone's always making the call to protect the ball. Yeah. Um, how many sort of pair of hands do you like? Sort of obviously you start in your section fives and it and it goes around everyone. But then, you know, you get a bit older and maybe it will go to first to second, maybe second will throw out to cover. Yeah. Cover maybe back to the bowler, cover potentially to mid on. Yeah. Um, mid off, sorry. What's yeah. sort of proof? What's, what's best there? Um, I mean, it depends. There's probably two, two main. Well, the main thing is if you're trying to get the ball to reverse at any stage in the game, because you're trying to get the ball to reverse, you want it to stay as dry as possible. Um, so if that's the case, you want it in as little hands as possible, and you ideally want them the ball kept dry. So that, I mean, that's quite big picture thinking. Probably doesn't happen a lot in a lot in New Zealand club cricket. Uh, so that's one thing. But apart from that, I think it's just depends on the bowler and the tempo they want in their over. So how quickly the bowler wants the yeah. ball back is going to determine. Because you, you get the old guy that are really want to rattle through their over, eh? they're like yep. almost embarrassingly getting it straight back from the yep. keeper. 100%. Is, yeah, or oh, you can't yeah. be doing that. Jesus. Nah, you no, can't be straight that, back. You can't do, I feel like you can only do that if you're a spinner. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You have to, it has to go through a set of hands. But yeah. I was just thinking, how little respect would you have for another team if the ball went from keeper to, to every, every single all the way every through, single, yeah, yeah. And every single pair of hands all yeah. the way through Follow on the offside. On Does keeper go straight to fine league, <laughs> and then fine league to first dog, or how do we get fine league involved in that scenario? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just everyone getting a touch early. We feel yeah. like that. I, I'd, I mean, if I was batting and I'd seen that, I'll just have just this massive weight go off my shoulders. Like, oh, yeah. these guys are no, these guys yeah. are no I'm good. On, I'm on today, boys. <laughs> You, I mean, because there is guys that obviously I don't, you know, don't want to go at the fast bowlers again. They've copped it a bit on the pod. There is guys that are like, you know, they will take it deadly serious to yep. the point of like, if I was ever at mid on, I'd be quite nervous, especially if um, mm. if it was sort of a longer throw from like your third slip all the way to me. I'd be quite nervy under the high nut. Didn't yeah. want to drop it. Yeah, it probably depends on like where the ball shining's occurring. So, like, if the ball shining's occurring at the keeper yeah. or at the in the cordon, if your ball shiner's in the cordon and then throws you the ball and you put it on the ground, yeah, you've ruined it. You've taken all the shine yeah. off. It's never going to swing again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's game, we're going to lose. Yeah, game, game over. We might as well shine the numbers <laughs> at that point. Um, no, but, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the – I'll tell you what's worse for Madon is underarming the ball back to the bowler because you have <laughs> – that is worse than the nets. If you put one ankles or over the bowler's Ooh. head, there is like it's genuine fireworks. Oh it's yeah, a, it's harder than you think when when oh, they're on the move. It's not. It's a, it's a yeah. ten meter underarm. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. on the move. They're, they're always they're always they're walking back. They're looking over their shoulder. Yeah, they're, they've got their they've got their arm up, and you've sort of like got to judge like how quick are they walking, and you've got to sort of throw it in front of them. For some reason, it's like the hardest target to hit when they're moving. Yeah, I think you can miss laterally, but not horizontally. What about a bit of bowler heat, Jacko, like sort of friendly fire there where you've got a new nut and you think you're using it pretty well and swinging it and you've got a plonker down the other end bowling cross seam and ruining it? Is that <laughs> yeah. sort of... 
that yeah, sort of has came up in the past. Yeah, I sometimes might be the candidate, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Um, yeah, very interesting. I remember, yeah, it is It is one thing, isn't it? Because I suppose the, the theory with swing bowling is that the area around the seam is the bit that needs to stay shiny. So if a guy's just missing the seam on an abrasive service, he's basically taking off that that bit because because it's next to the seam. If it's shiny, it travels faster, swings on that side, essentially. So if he's like missing the seam by just a bit and fucking that up, it is actually going to ruin the swing. So it is it is quite mm. a quite an interesting one. I remember watching a bit of one day cricket and they reckon Malinga used to do that to the white ball uh, yeah. when there used to just be one white ball. So his first spell, he'd bowl four overs heavy back of a length to just yeah. try to fuck the ball up and then yeah come in the back end and bowl like 140 searing and swinging yorkers it's like back in the day when you know you'd grow up and you'd watch it and everyone would hit, you know the key to when you threw him from the boundary was just hit keepers gloves on the full yeah and then they all started bouncing it in and that yeah. just became the trend just to get that reverse going lane yeah and another another sort of aspect of that comes in as well like if you know a team's chasing or there's a big boundary, you want to soften the ball up so it doesn't travel yeah. as far. Oh, that's, so that, that's that, a good one. That call will come in in a, in a huddle sometimes um, after a wicket. If the ball stops swinging, especially in white ball cricket, it's definitely a right boys like throws into the foot marks, get them into the – if you're on the big side, like throws directly into the uh, the old wickets on the block. So. It's something actually umpires crack down on. So is it is it a – it's not illegal, is it? Or is it a spirit of the game thing? Because nah. it is some I've seen it cracked down on by umpires. Yeah, I think it comes down to a from where you're throwing. Yeah. Like yeah. if you pick a ball up in the circle and bounce <laughs> throw it a couple of times down the middle of the wicket, um, yeah, you're probably getting uh, probably getting probably getting moved on. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I mean, I've had a couple when long on is throwing keeper but can't get it to keeper. So it was just like landing in the middle of the pitch, which is obviously the most abrasive spot. Uh. <laughs> and just being given from the umpire, mate, if you can't get it to the keeper on the full, throw the bowler, please. That was a bit of an impromptu sort of coach corner there. Um, yeah. Just on the, the I guess, the intricacies of uh, fielding. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's important to, to finish on and probably give a shout out to all the parents growing up. Um, because I just remember week in, week out, as a youngster, impressionable youngster, seeing the, you know, you see your hero shining the ball and just getting a new ball each week and just absolutely shining the shit out of it on my white pants. And just oh. every weekend, and all 11 of you, just shining yep. it as much as you can, wanting to make as much red on your whites as 100%. possible. And uh, an extension of that is making sure you got at least one dive in on your knees in the field to get those oh, knees minimum, really yeah. grass-stained. Yeah, you had to have a huge red line and like dark green knees to have to have played well essentially you ever did you ever how old were you when you made the move to pants yeah i'd be i'd be a couple of years at least yeah it's I'd one say, of those say, things i think I'd that's say. when you started to separate the good from the bad players yeah you know a guy sort of you know white, white nine ten well. still showing up in shorts you're sort of starting <laughs> to get a bit suspect if this guy's going to make it yeah, 100%. I think we changed when it went to hardball. Right. Whatever, whatever age that was where I was growing up. And I think it was in year six we went to hardball. Sort of makes sense, putting your pads on. Yeah. Yeah. Thigh pad underneath, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> special <laughs> special sort of kid that's putting his thigh pad on underneath his shorts and then is raw-dogging his pads. <laughs> It's funny how like you're wearing shorts, like because obviously you might wear them in the nets, and you just feel so you feel so less protected, even though it's just one it's just one measly layer of clothing. Yeah, but you feel you feel so like uh, open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I was the yeah. same as as I said, like batting in a vest. That vest just made me feel so much more confident. Invincible. Yeah, like forty eight degrees. I'm about to pass out, but I've got my vest on and I'm feeling yeah. good. Hundred percent. So easy. Righto. So that's um that is us for another week, there, team. If you like what you hear, chuck us a rate and review. Spotify recently uh, clicked up three figures in the five star ratings for us. But as they always say, after a milestone, start again. That's what we will be doing on our way to a double ton. 
Apple is still stuck at uh, the old seven five star reviews. We'll, we'll we'll round that up to ten though, of course. Yeah, twenty twenty five by the time we're in the afters. Yeah, maybe we maybe we want to pump those numbers up a little bit. Um, also, if you are on Apple, sort of, if you want to write us a wee review, even chuck us a question on out or not out, Coach Corner, mm. you will be guaranteed your question answered. Yeah. That's for sure. Or if you want to uh, want to suggest a snack of the week category, leave that in yeah. a five star review. Yeah, I like this category stuff. Yeah, get the give it public involved. We'll um, we'll chuck another poll at some stage throughout throughout the week. Yeah, and if you are really fully invested in this podcast, and to be honest, if you are still listening, you probably are right now. Check out the Patreon. At the moment, you get early access to the podcast. Essentially, the minute this this gets edited, it goes up on Patreon. Another benefit is you basically own us. You can pretty <laughs> much ask us to jump, and we will say how high yeah. sort of thing. Maybe that's a Patreon only. Uh... Reward you get to choose the snack of the week category. Yes. That could be something. That could be really something. Tell that you could what, be we could be day next week. <laughs> We're going to be like puppeteers at the end of this sort of thing. <laughs> really, just selling our souls. Yeah. Nothing's but going it, to be to do with cricket, but no. Nah. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right, that's that's enough plugging for one day. Thanks to Lugsy and Jacko for joining us. Massive thank you for Nathan Smith for jumping on also. Most importantly, thank you to our award-winning listeners for helping the podcast grow. Boys, catch you next week. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Catches.